Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis chapter 24, verse 10. Genesis 24, 10. And the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia and to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to sit down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder, and the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Came to pass as the camels were done drinking that the man took a golden earring or a nose ring of a half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold and said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? She said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare to Nahor. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. Okay, now, so here we are in chapter 24, and what we have been studying is the merging, as we have seen, from this shock that came to Abraham of Sarah's death. And we've seen that this death, that Abraham had experienced of Sarah was a strong warning to him that he needed to get his house in order. You know, that's the effect that the loved one had on Abraham. That's the effect, and God wants that. God said to the people of Israel in Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And for the loss, the death of a loved one should be the strong warning. Like it says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed. We have an appointment unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. 
So the death of a loved one reminds us that we all, the saved and the lost, we all have an appointment with death. So Abraham knew that for him to put his house in order, he had to provide for a bride for Isaac. And this is the plan. I mean, this is what God told Israel in Jeremiah 29, 6, where he said, take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. So Abraham knew he couldn't go and get a wife for Isaac himself. So he carefully thought about the who. And that's the importance to see here in Genesis 24 as to who he entrusted this work to. Because Abraham's first and foremost requirement for the person that he was entrusting to go get a bride for his son Isaac was that this man should know the Lord. This man should know the Lord. Now, in verse 3, we see evidence that Eliezer did know the Lord because Abraham makes him swear by the Lord. You don't swear by the Lord unless you know personally the Lord. And so it's as if Abraham was saying to Eliezer, Eliezer, I know you know how important the Lord is to you and how important it will be for a wife for Isaac to also know the Lord. So above all, find a godly wife, and whatever you do, do not take a wife of these Canaanite women. And then we've seen something very important about this relationship, this dynamics of the relationship between Eliezer and and Abraham, which was really the dynamics in the relationship, not just us of a master-servant, but of friends. Abraham was a friend to Eliezer. And in verse 5, Eliezer reveals as a friend, he's also as a servant, but he's revealing to him, he says, I've got something heavy on my heart, Abraham. And it says, the servant said in verse 5 unto him, peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence they came? So when you look at Eliezer in verse 5 and how he's talking to his friend Abraham, how do you describe the feelings that Eliezer is feeling here? He feels insecure about this. He feels fearful. He's afraid he's going to fail. He really feels discouraged before he's even started out. So here's got this mix of feelings going on in him. Eliezer is expressing his insecurity, his fear, his discouragement. And so what do we see? We see Abraham, his friend, he quiets Abraham's fears. He quiets his discouragements. He quiets that. And in verses six through seven, Abraham said unto him, beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee. And thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So this is important for us to see here. Because what we see in this dynamics between Eliezer and Abraham is a pattern for how we can help others and ourselves also how to deal with insecurities, how to deal with fears, how to deal with discouragements. First thing we see in verse 6 is Abraham exhorts Eliezer with a very strong, beware thou, you be careful you, beware thou, thou bring not my son thither again. See, Abraham is saying here, whatever goes on, you are not to bring Isaac backwards to my old country. And we can see that Abraham is telling Eliezer, Eliezer, we are people of the future. We are people of the promise. We are not people of the backwards. The watchword here is never backward, never backwards. When a believer falls into insecurity and fears and discouragement, the devil is very quick to bring to mind 
well, you know, it wasn't that bad for you before you came to God. Weren't you really better off? Wasn't those such good times before you came to God? Weren't you happier? Weren't you happier? Why don't you go back to your life before God? Eh? Those are the same thoughts that the devil brought to the minds of the Jewish people in the wilderness. You know, that life was pretty good back there in Egypt, wasn't it? Remember the leeks and the garlics and whatever? I don't remember. They had a shopping list there. They said, yeah, the way that Egypt, that was like Whole Foods, that Egypt was. You know, we got to go back there before we turned to God and left Egypt. So the first step in removing the fears and discouragements is to affirm in verse 6, beware thou and take the position of never backwards. Never backwards. No turning back. Right, Bill? No turning back. And next we see in verse 7 how Abraham then, he goes over the past and he says, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and the land of my kindred, spake unto me, spare unto me, and so forth. And there's nothing better like counting your blessings and naming them one by one and letting God surprise you what the Lord has done. It's very encouraging to go over the past blessings of God to be encouraged. Bill always does that with me. Tells me all about when he was a young boy and how he came to the Lord and how God has kept him over these 80 plus years. And in the 1980s, I started a book on Fridays and I'd go back and I would review the week and write down the blessings that God brought that week. Very encouraging to do it. Very encouraging to pick up that book and read it. That's what Abraham's doing here. And when we see in verse 7 how Abraham then encourages Eliezer with God's promises for the future. And he says, look, the Lord swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land. And based on God's promise, Abraham says to Eliezer, listen, Eliezer, you can expect he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife. You'll find the bride unto my son from thence. And then we saw Abraham, he made Eliezer put his hand under his thigh and swear to him. We see this whole process there. And what we're really seeing here. It's not just a hand going under the thigh, but we're seeing a transfer from Abraham to Eliezer of Abraham's concerns and the sense of urgency that Abraham had. It's being transferred to him. And then we see Eliezer caught it. He caught those concerns. He caught that sense of urgency, and they became Eliezer's concerns and Eliezer's urgency. And if you're to say, well, what were those concerns? What are we talking about here? You tell me, what are the concerns that Abraham had? What were they? Number one, don't get a wife from Canaan. Get a wife. (laughs) Don't have her free from Canaan. And what's the third one? Don't bring my boy back there. Don't take my boy back there. And so as we see, Eliezer, he becomes concerned over what Abraham is concerned over. And he feels the same sense of urgency. And when we see this picture, this transfer, then it brings us to my, we're Eliezer. So what are the concerns of our Abraham? What are the concerns of our Lord Jesus Christ? What sense of urgency does he have? So what if you were to state, what are the concerns that he feel, gets angst about? What is the first one? What was one? For the lost. He's not willing that any should perish. He's concerned all men to be saved. He will have all men to be saved. First Timothy 2.4 and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his concern. And he says to us, like Abraham says to Eliezer, go get a bride. He says to us, all power is given to me in Matthew 28, 18. In heaven and earth, he says, so therefore you go. Go therefore, teach all nations. Go and teach. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe everything I told you. And I'm with you even to the end of the earth. That's a concern for the lost to be saved. He's got a concern for the saved. He's got a concern for the saved too. He kept saying it over and over again to Peter. 
What he kept saying over and over again to Peter, do you love me? Then what? Feed my sheep, right, Scott? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It's like the Lord says, how many times do I have to tell it to you? (laughs) I've told you three times already. It's a concern. Feed my sheep. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Those are the concerns of our Abraham and the sense of urgency. And like they transferred from Abraham to Eliezer, God wants that they transfer from the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And now we read in verse 10 through 27. We're reading here now. It says, and the servant, he took 10 camels, and all the goods of his masters were in his hands, and he arose. So we see in verse 10, he takes 10 camels. That means that he didn't go alone. He didn't pull those 10 camels one after the other. There were riders on those camels. That was quite a caravan that he took with them. That was a big group. He made a big impression. It's generally assumed in, 24, in chapter 24 here that the chief servant, the servant we're talking about, is Eliezer. You know, because he said in chapter 15, verse 2, the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Whether or not it was Eliezer, I'm prepared to believe. I believe that it was Eliezer, but it doesn't matter. What's important is he's got this title. He's got this title of the servant, the ebed in Hebrew, the servant. Very special word, the servant, because it's a word that's used to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, 11, it says, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant, my righteous ebed, same word, my righteous servant, justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. It's an amazing verse, Isaiah 53, 11, because God the Father gives a wonderful title to the Lord Jesus Christ of my righteous servant. You know, like the hymn goes, join all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power. It says, well, there's another one we can join to those names, righteous servant. It's a glorious name. And we ask the question, righteous servant, we say, why did he earn that title? Why did God the Father call him that? It tells us that he calls him the righteous servant because he justified many. He justified many sinners. He justified them. And how did he do that? How did he do the impossible of taking you and me, who were sinners, plunging headlong right on down the middle of the road to hell, and justify us? Well, explains Isaiah 53. He did it by bearing their iniquities. He took the penalty for all our sins on himself. The judgments for all our stupid decisions. The judgments for our stupid thoughts. The judgments for our stupid actions. The judgments for our stupid words that you and I did. And we were so wrong. And we did it. And we made those decisions. And they made us sin. And those were sins to us. And they defiled us. And he decided to take all the penalties for all of our stupidities and die for us. We were hopelessly sick. We were hopelessly defiled by our own sin. The physician comes, as he says in Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto him, they that are holding me, not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The physician looks at us and he says, you're sick. Most physicians do that. (laughs) You're sick. But this one says, the only way to recover is if I, as a physician, give my lifeblood for your sins. And he did it. We say, hallelujah, what a savior. Now, that was a great price in Isaiah 53, 11, when it cost him the travail of his soul. It says that the travail of his soul, the father saw the travail of his soul when he was bearing our iniquities. And the father says, now that's my righteous servant. I see the travail of his soul on the cross. Do you see him like I see him justifying sinners on the cross? The father could say, do you see him like I see him bearing the iniquity of many on the cross? 
That's why this title for Eliezer is so great as the servant. And what we further read about Eliezer in verse 10 is that all the goods of his master was in his hand. That means Abraham had committed all his goods into the hands of Eliezer. Now that reminds us of somebody else in the Bible, doesn't it? I hope it does. (laughs) Who? Joseph. You can't help but think of Joseph when you read something like that. Joseph, Joseph. In Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, 4, Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and Potiphar. He made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. He put into Joseph's hand. He said that. Just like it says about Eliezer, he put it in his hand. This is Joseph's hand. Even Potiphar's wife comes in verse 8 of Genesis 39 and Joseph says he refused. It says about Joseph, but he refused to be seduced by her. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what if not? He doesn't know what is with me in the house. He's committed all that he has to my hand. All in my hand. And we know what happened. Then Pharaoh, Pharaoh in Genesis 41, 40, he says, Pharaoh says, Thou shalt be over my house. According unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only on the throne will I be greater than thou. So why did Potiphar and Pharaoh put everything they had in Joseph's hand. They didn't even say, I don't even want to know what it's there. It's all there. Because they saw Joseph to be trustworthy and faithful. Potiphar and Pharaoh both felt, this Joseph, he's going to be so faithful, he'll never seek his own pleasure. He'll always put me first. And he proved that with Potiphar's wife's advances. Young guy, hormones raging, he says no. Everything that Potiphar and Pharaoh owned, they put into Joseph's hands because they knew he was a faithful man. Everything Abraham owned, put into the hands of Eliezer of Damascus because they knew he's a faithful man, because he knew he's a faithful man. Why did God the Father put into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? What did he put into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? What did God the Father put into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? It tells us in John 3.35, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. All things into his hand. Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. All things are delivered unto me of my father. See, just like uh, Joseph, just like Eliezer, the Lord Jesus Christ in his hand. And the one we just read, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So all power in heaven and earth given to him. And John 17, 2, speaking to the father, he says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, for what? that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Power of all, over all flesh to give eternal life. In John 5, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, all judgment of every man given to him. So what do we see in the Lord Jesus? We see a person that all things were given to him, that all power in heaven and earth was given to him, that all judgment was given to him, Even the power to say who's going to get eternal life given to him makes one issue very clear. Anyone has a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ, they have a problem. Makes our heart go out to the Jewish people when it speaks about the majority of them. In John 1.11, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Who did they not receive? They did not receive the one that all things were given to. They didn't receive the one that all power, including the power to give eternal life, was given to. They didn't receive the one that all judgment was given to. That's a problem, to not receive that person. So we're looking at the faithful servant here, aren't we? In verse 10, whom everything that Abraham had was in his hand. And what do we see him doing here? We see these verbs that express Eliezer. Took, departed, arose, went. 
Boy, that's a man of action. He gets the call, he's gone. And what do we see him doing is a challenge for us because our master, our Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us what we just talked about in Matthew 28. And then he says, are you gonna be like Eliezer? You gonna go? You gonna bring the gospel to all people? Now, verse 11, it says women go out to draw water, the time when women go out to draw. That may seem strange to you, that women doing all this hard work of drawing water for animals it's not hard if you're in Ethiopia. <laughs> it's so common for the women to do all the hard work. I mean, I have pictures of them, and I don't show them because I'll be accused of some kind of abuse. But it's the way the country is. 90% of our employees are women. Our managers, our directors, they're women. You know, when we were building the compound there and we had to make the nine-foot wall, and they broke up the large boulders of granite. They had these little things that looked like stretchers to women. They carried those big stones. They carried the concrete. They built it. That's the way it is. That's the way it was here. So they were drawing the water. Okay, then in verse 12. Now, what do we see in verse 12? He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed. Show kindness to Abraham. So what's this that we see here? O Lord God of my masters. Eliezer is calling on God the Lord. He's calling on the Lord God. He knows the Lord. Eliezer knows the Lord. He's calling on him as the God of Abraham. That's a great credit to Abraham. Because how did this Eliezer of Damascus come to know the Lord God? He didn't go to the movie house in Damascus and see the Ten Commandments, you know. How did he do that? Because of Abraham. It's Abraham. And so we see here that Eliezer, fruit of Abraham, child of Abraham, And he's no longer with Abraham, but he's honoring the Lord. He's no longer with Abraham, but he's honoring the Lord that Abraham taught him about. What a joy that is for Abraham to hear Eliezer called on the name of the Lord when you weren't there. And what kind of a joy was this for Abraham? It was the kind of joy that John spoke about in 3 John 1.4 when he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John said that it was the greatest joy in his life. The greatest joy in my life is to hear that my spiritual children are walking in the truth. Solomon spoke about this as special joy. He wrote about it in Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he says, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Paul speaks about this joy, the desire to see his spiritual children, independent of him, staying loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Galatians 4, 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So he gives birth the first time, all the pain of that, that they should be born again. And then he gives birth the second time that Christ is formed in them. And he reminds them, he says, I have a special relationship with you, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. I have begotten you through the gospel. And then he prays, verse 12, he says, send me good speed. So what's Eliezer praying for here? That God would help him. He's praying that God would help him. When Eliezer prays these words that God would send him good speed, he's asking God, make my endeavor a success. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Unless you're here, I'm, I'm, I'm here in vain. This is useless, this is worthless for me to go and find a bride for Isaac. Eliezer's not a person who says, okay, God, I got my instructions. I don't need you now, I can do it by myself. It's not that way. He knew he needed God. God. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.